Welcome to the Liberal Your Podcast, the European Liberal Forum Project. I'm your host, Ricardo Silvestre, and what a great episode we have today. This is another conversation, long time coming, where I have on the podcast Balint Gueveh. Balin is the Secretary General of LIMEC, and LIMEC is the pan-European youth organization seeking to promote liberal values throughout the EU as the youth organization of the ALDE party and the Renew Europe parliamentary group in the European Parliament. I asked Balin to talk to me during the ALDE party council meeting in Bratislava, and we go into the year of the youth that was, how young liberal Europeans should prepare for the European elections for next year, and the work done by LIMEC. And after the conversation, I'll be back to tell you about some of the events organized by ELF for this week of February. I'm here with Balint Gavois. Balint, thank you so much for coming to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Oh, I finally have you here. I know Balint for some time now since I've been more associated with ELF. And it's always a pleasure to see you, always a pleasure to talk to you. But finally, I got you on the podcast. Like I mentioned, you are the Secretary General of LIMEX, so we're going to go into that in a minute. But before that, tell us a little bit about yourself. What was the path you took to get to this moment that we're talking here on the podcast? It's a pleasure to be here. Um, so, as you mentioned, indeed, I'm the Secretary General of, uh, of LIMEC. Um, I'm uh, originally I was born in uh, in Hungary, um, and then I um, I grew up in uh, in Belgium, in in Brussels, actually, um, and that's also where it all uh, started for me when it comes to the liberal family and youth politics. Um, I was involved in the organization called uh, Fédération des Étudiants Libéraux which is the uh, Francophone Liberal Students Network uh, in Belgium. In Belgium, it's a bit uh, complicated with having a Flemish and a, and a Francophone site as well. Um, and I was the international officer for that uh, organization for three years. That's how I got involved and um, also engaged in, in LIMEC. Um, it's been a few years now. And then in uh, 2019, when the uh, position of Secretary General was, was open, I applied and I'm here now as uh, part of my uh, third mandate for the organization. So as Secretary General, I coordinate the, the daily work of the organization, linking the staff with the, uh, with the board, and also uh, um, overseeing all the organization of the different events, uh, doing some finances, um, and also uh, representing the organization uh, to, at some uh, occasions. The other thing that is interesting with you, and you just mentioned that in passage, which is you're Belgium, you're Hungarian, you're a European, you're a liberal European. So how it is it for you and to our listeners that could be in a similar position, how it is it to you to you know, be able to move these pieces around in the chessboard, which is your life? So where do you see yourself in a situation like... You know, you're thinking about Hungary, you think about Belgium, but also you're thinking about, you know, France probably and Italy and Portugal and Spain. So how is it? I always uh, very deeply, I think, uh, felt Hungarian uh, in uh, the, the the beginning uh, because my parents are, are, are Hungarians and, and that's how the, um, the whole uh, path uh, started. Um, and then when growing up in Belgium, this other layer to, to the identity, a kind of... Uh, uh, was was added up, and quite quickly you you realize um, what it is to also uh, feel European, and and I think that's something I would like to highlight to the audience here as well. Um, growing up between these uh, two identities I just mentioned, uh, between two countries, very different countries, and also if you look back at history and how uh, the societies have evolved, 
um, these different layers uh, added up to this additional identity, which is the European one. And uh, you mentioned other countries as well. Um, through my job and other commitments, I, I travel a lot. And I think you can uh, very much feel at home in, in, in different parts of, of, of Europe. Yes. Um, and probably these, 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 these different uh, identity levels and origins really help uh, with that. Um, it's, of, of course, a complexity of things, but uh, I can clearly um, see myself um, evolving further down the, the road, uh, more as a, as a European, not having to pick one or the other identity. Well, for, full disclaimer for our listeners, both me and Balint, we are federalists, so <laughs> I am going to translate what you just said a minute ago in a more, in a less diplomatic way. So yes, I do agree with you. Please and, do. <laughs> well, um, one of the reasons that I asked you to talk to me, um, it's exactly because of the work you've been doing in LIMEC and the work that LIMEC has been doing. And one, and I actually had... Um, the uh, president of LIMEC, Dan Arias Curry, on our podcast. We just had the year of the youth in the European Union. So tell us a little bit, what was your assessment of it? What is, what is your analysis? Um, how was it? Tell, tell our listeners what was your opinion on that one. Yes, so just maybe a bit of context to uh, the audience uh, listening yes, to us. Um, so the idea of the year of the youth came up in the speech of the European Union from President uh, of the Commission Ursula von der Leyen um, last year, so September 2021, uh, when she announced that this year, 2022, would be having a specific focus on young people, on the youth, as a, also a follow-up to the, to the pandemic. But not just sports and festivals, right? A little more than that. <laughs> Indeed, and that would be part of the, of the core uh, fight of LIMEC, I would say. Um, it's very easy to say that young people are, you know, interested in, in uh, as you said, uh, sport events, uh, uh, festivals that we would, you know, have fun uh, somewhere um, in, um, in, in, in Europe, discuss certain topics, but not necessarily be at the table where the decisions are made. And um, that is the opportunity we saw here uh, in this uh, year of the youth. Um, so we, we entered the process. We uh, entered the stakeholders meeting of the European Commission where hundreds of uh, youth organizations were invited at the table to kind of shape together this, this year of the, of the youth. We worked very closely with the, our group in the European Parliament. The Renew Europe group um, had a specific attention to this, to this year um, and to make sure that there is a, a cooperation with the actual youth organization link, organizations because we are several of them linked to the, to the, to the group. Um, so very early in the year, we started also our internal brainstorming. We brought our members together um, to see what are the actions we can, uh, we can do together. And the, the first, obviously, as, as, as we all know, in, in February, um, Russia invaded Ukraine, um, which is also something that really uh, uh, kept the, the attention and, the, and, and, and it was a very important uh, topic for membership. Uh, so we, since the beginning, were standing with our Ukrainian friends. Um, I would say this was our first action, but not only looking at the situation, um, you know, there is no war ongoing and, and Russia invaded Ukraine, but looking at how the youth um, is going and how we can make sure that um, not only there is um, attention to the youth during this situation with the war, but looking at the longer term recovery after the war and how we can support the youth and our friends uh, and members in Ukraine. Uh, we have three member organizations in Ukraine as LIMEC. 
so very much um, uh, close to the to the topic. Um, we actually uh, then uh, developed uh, this uh, concept of online meeting that we called uh, Voices from Ukraine, um, where uh, we had three of them in total um, uh, up until now, and probably we'll, we'll do some more as we go in the coming weeks and months, uh, where we actually gathered our membership with some um, inputs from our members from the ground. So our three organizations uh, um, received uh, the floor to be able to explain what's the ongoing situation, how we from the other countries from, uh, from Europe can help and uh, provide insight on, on the daily uh, situation and, um, uh, and uh, the evolution of the, of the war. So this was uh, one of the, the main focuses at the beginning of the year. Then as we go uh, forward in this year of the youth, um, not only uh, we were working more with the group, but try to uh, mobilize our membership. So we led um, aware awareness raising campaign um, because um, uh, often these um, specific years and these big slogans uh, stay very much in Brussels, in the Brussels bubble. So trying to mobilize our members and our broader membership on the ground in, in the different countries to also um, be able to be part of this year of the youth because you can't just do this year of the youth at a very institutional level. You need to involve uh, the grassroots level as well. So this is also something we, we, we were trying to do. Um, and that's where it, it connected a bit with uh, also the activities uh, the group was foreseeing. Um, because since uh, July, we actually had now uh, a total of four events with uh, the Renew Europe group, focusing on the Year of the Youth, focusing on key proposals from young people, um, and making sure that these proposals are then channeled into the decision-making process. Uh, so we had one event in July in the European Parliament, we had another one, um, uh, it was also in Brussels as a side event of a bigger event of the institutions, uh, that was the Level Up event. Um, and then we had one uh, with our Congress in Bucharest two weeks ago. And then we just had this week the Youth Academy, uh, also in Brussels with the Renew Europe group. So every time bringing young people from the different, um, uh, from the local level of our members uh, to Brussels, working together, confronting ideas, and bringing um, recommendations and uh, proposals into the decision-making process and directly addressing it to MEPs. Belinda, uh, allow me uh, a follow-up in here because talking with other members of Renew Europe or in the Yalta party here in the podcast, but also listening to people talk on television, going exactly, as you said, from the president of the commission, there's always this appeal, which is we need to involve the youth, we need to have the youth in the political process. Do you felt that all these proposals that you guys have, all this work that you've done was accepted in a mature and constructive way, or do you still there some resistance to, ah, just, of course, they did this, but uh, we, the grown-ups, we know what is necessary, or is this just like an intuition coming from the outside, has no reason of being... What is your opinion on that? Maybe two reactions on two different levels. Um, the first is um, from, the, from the commission and the, the highest level, I would say. Uh, we're really surprised that in this year's speech of the union, uh, President von der Leyen didn't even mention the year of the youth. So this, for us, looked a bit weird in a way because um, obviously when you launch something in one year, you might want to follow up on it in your next address uh, to Europeans. So um, this was a bit surprising and, and a bit concerning as well. 
um, on whether there would be a true legacy and follow-up to this year of the youth. Um, so this is at, at one level. At the second level, when you may also mention the MEPs and, and the decision makers, um, as I mentioned, we worked a lot with the Renew Europe group, and I could really feel a real interest there in working together on these topics, also ahead of the longer process that will start soon of the European elections uh, in 2024. And uh, there, actually, with the group, we are now, um, as part of the Renew for Youth task force of the Renew Europe group, working on a manifesto that will summarize, that will bring together all the inputs that were gathered at all these events are mentioned, and um, as part of the, the kind of the conclusions of the Year of the Youth. And that will then be translated into the decision-making process in the European Parliament. Um, at this stage, of course, I can't tell you if those proposals were, well, were taken into account, but they will be uh, put together and there will be a follow-up at the beginning of next year. And that's where it's very important because we just cannot have one year of the youth like that. It should be year of the youth every year, of course, and there should be a legacy, there should be a follow-up. It's a very good point. Now, shifting gears a little bit, um, as you said, we should have the Year of Youth every year, but that's not, of course, also for particular reasons, like, for example, marketing reasons. We need to change every year. We need to have like a new topic. Like this one is going to be the Year of the Skills, but also connects very nicely to youth because most of these skills nowadays, we're talking about digital skills, for example. So how, again, you do that connection that you just mentioned, which is to get all the liberal organizations working for this one in particular. Yes, so we'll be, of course, very much looking forward to this, because um, as LIMEC, we invest a lot in um, developing and uplifting uh, competences and skills of our members. Um, so it's, it's, it's a key year uh, that's coming ahead with uh, definitely opportunities. Um, and that, that, that's here the, the most important, is there should be a clear link between the two years. Um, so following up on the year of the youth and the proposals that might come out of that should be translated into uplifting and investing in the skills of young people. Um, and as more as a long, longer term impact, because Clearly, when you talk about uh, about proposals, it you know you can trace where those proposals taken into account, where those proposals implemented. Do we see uh, it in the decision making process? When it comes to skills and competences, we are also looking at the uh, very longer term um, investment, especially when it comes to young people. Uh, the training you get, um, the interest uh, you get into um, having your your skills developed is a longer process. It takes it can take uh, you know years and. And you can see it maybe uh, later. The, the I would say the 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 outcomes of of uh, of your uh, of your of your training of your um, uh, focus on skills. So I would say there is also a longer um, um, perspective there. Um, but again, we would want this to be very uh, concrete, to not only be an initiative that you know stays at a certain level, and to be um, implemented. Um, uh, properly uh, throughout the different uh, layers, throughout different uh, youth organizations, and uh, also to get the, the youth at the, at the very um, grassroots uh, uh, level. Um, so yes, 2023, year of the skills. Um, we are looking forward to it um, with, um, of course, expectations, but it needs to be followed up by concrete implementation. Very good. 
Think about 2023 and now turning a little bit into LIMEC, which, of course, you are in a very uh, privileged position to talk about. We have all the work that you guys be doing with our Ukrainian brothers and sisters, and that is just amazing. Then you have the work you do with Renew Europe. You have the work you do with the Alder Party, with the European Commission, even if it is quite more indirect, but still you do that kind of lobbying in, in name of the uh, liberal youth. 2023 could be a very transformative year. We'll be talking about 2024 in a minute. But tell me, how do you see the next year then materializing for LIMEC and for all the work you guys do? Yes, besides our two um, yearly congresses that indeed tackle all those uh, uh, more decision-making, policy-focused um, uh, actions that you, you also mentioned, uh, we'll prepare, of course, uh, a few uh, a training workshop and other kind of events um, uh, for our members. Uh, we work closely with the European Liberal Forum. Um, so we have now a plan with uh, four different uh, projects. Um, you have the Young Changemakers Academy, the Young Leaders Meeting. Uh, we also have, uh, we saw this year that there was a very good feedback from a new concept of, uh, of a hackathon, which is we call the Liberal Hack. Uh, it was focusing on digital issues um, this year, and next year we want it to focus on on, uh, on climate and energy issues. And maybe I would I would uh, highlight here the importance, of course, of the energy issues as we see currently. Um, I mean, that's not, uh, of course, a topic that only um, matters for the youth, but also for the youth. And then that's also a very key topic we need to be vocal about because often young people are the most severely hit by the current energy crisis. And that's something we need to keep in mind. We need to come up with the proposals and we need to address these current issues. So we will have um, uh, an event focusing on that on coming up with the best liberal solutions to the energy crisis. Um, then, as you mentioned, indeed, keep uh, supporting our, our friends in Ukraine but also bring in some of the topics that will matter um, in 2024. Um, we had uh, extensively worked on uh, the voting age at 16 at the yes. European elections. We pushed a lot for the transnational lists. Um, so those, those topics will be very important uh, next year. We'll keep uh, the focus on that. And, uh, of course, prepare the ground uh, to have more uh, young people involved in, in, the, in the upcoming uh, campaign and an election. Um, so uh, clearly, um, young people um, need to be in positions where they can also uh, get elected, they can also get their, their say in, uh, in the Europe of the, of the future, because they are also the main representatives of the next generation. Indeed, and now we need to translate all that into political action, political ideas, and as you said very correctly, so actually young people running for office. 2024 looms large. This is going to be a very important election in a parliament, not only for the balance of power, but also because we keep seeing populism and other, even conservatives in certain places gaining uh, more steam. We need to keep defending liberal values and ideas and have that translate into voting. So 2024, um, what is your, your take on that? We, we're still far away and I'll, I'll have you on the podcast as we're getting closer. <laughs> but still, uh, what is the, most, the biggest concern you have? Yes, and I will be happy to be back again with, uh, with of course, more input on that. Um, biggest concern is, is not to um, 
I would say, uh, involve youth enough in uh, the, the proper setup of the, of the campaign, of the manifestos. And that's something we are clearly working on. And I would like to thank here also, of course, the, the ALDE party involving us in the, um, the manifesto uh, drafting committee, for example. Our, our president has a representation there. Um, so this is very important um, to also keep an eye on, on, uh, on uh, what, uh, what is what youth would want to see ahead of the elections in the campaign. Because as we saw also, for example, the last elections in Germany, um, FDP was very much uh, favored uh, among first voters and, and young voters. So liberals have a role to play um, in, in the circle of, of young people. And we need to be able to show them uh, the perspectives for future society, which is often lacking uh, from other spectrums of the, poli of, the, of the political scene. So there is a big role to play, and this process, this, um, uh, these elections, will uh, have an important uh, part uh, on uh, how we mobilize, how we involve uh, the youth. So this is, uh, I would say, a key concern, key issue. Um, on our side, in terms of actions and, and, uh, and perspectives, uh, we also uh, work on our own uh, manifesto as, as we speak, so identifying um, further priorities for the election. Um, that's one part. Um, second part, uh, we'll do a myth-busting campaign on, uh, online. Um, so as an umbrella organization, of course, trying to um, fight against more the populist and, uh, and those forces that are using disinformation and, and, and fake news very easily. Um, ahead of the elections, as young people are very much connected in all different channels um, online, they're exposed to a lot of, of, uh, of data, they're exposed to a lot of information, and that's not necessarily uh, um, true or, or fact-based uh, information. So there is a, a big role to play, that's why we'll enter into this uh, kind of, uh, again, of a campaign on, on against disinformation as well, and, and, and bringing facts to the table, and then of course, bridging, linking, and investing in um, young candidates. Um, that's also very important because um, we see that um, even if uh, um, we have uh, young candidates in the different lists at, at national level, they of course need support in the campaign, they of course need um, to rely on each other as well, uh, cross-border, and that's where we see the added value of our network as well. If you are a candidate in, in one country, you can necessarily also exchange and, and uh, get some best practices from someone else as you're running as a youth candidate in another country. And we really see an added value and a benefit in this. So we try to bridge, bring together, and act as a network also in this process when uh, young people will be running in the campaign. Very good. As we're getting into the end of our time together, I'm going to ask you please to tell our listeners where they can know all this uh, material. Like, for example, you just, met, you just mentioned the manifest that has been uh, drawn right now. We also have the campaigns. So how can people know more about it? In particular, if you are a young person listening to this conversation, how can you get involved? Yes. So we have uh, many ways uh, to, for involvement. Uh, I must stress that this is also something very nice um, in the liberal family, that you can become an individual member. Yes. So you no, don't need to be a part of an organization, or if you don't want to be part of an organization, you can still be active at the European level, both in Alden and Limec, actually. 
and uh, for the youth is just joining us as an individual member um, in our section. Uh, you can easily find the information and register through the website. It's very easy. Um, there's obviously a, a small membership fee to pay, um, but then there are plenty of opportunities to be linked to the different actions at the European level and to be uh, fully involved in, in, with LIMEC in this, in this campaign. Um, you can also find in general all, all the actions and campaigns on all the social media channels we have. I would here highlight, as you mentioned, uh, for a younger audience, our Instagram account is, is probably uh, the one I would uh, really recommend. Um, we are very active there. Um, you really get uh, uh, daily updates on our different actions or, um, uh, or, uh, or, um, or future events that we have. And you can, of course, uh, register to plenty of the opportunities I uh, mentioned through the website uh, or by, uh, of course, also uh, subscribing to our newsletter. Um, that can also happen through the website. So limec.eu is the, the way to go. I'm going to put all these links on the podcast show notes so that people can not only know more about it, but as you mentioned, uh, get involved. I've been talking with Balint Gavois. Finally, I have you on the podcast. This was a blast. Thank you so much for talking to me. Thank you for inviting. It will be a pleasure to come again. I'm back. Just a reminder that you can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. And if you feel like it, give us a five-star review. In that way, you can help us spread even more liberal values and ideas. Some of the events organized by ELF for this week of February, organized by the ELF Secretariat, we're going to have a Twitter space discussion, One Year in War, the Future of European Defense and Security. In this conversation, the idea is to explore what a year of war taught us about European security. This Twitter spaces will start at 2 p.m. and going around 3 p.m. and of course is going to happen on Twitter the name, and I'm going to be there for sure. So please join us on this very important conversation, as unfortunately, we're hitting the mark of one year of the attack of Russian in our brothers and sisters in Ukraine. And this is all for now. I'll be back soon with more podcasts. Until then, let's keep making the world a better place. This podcast is produced by the European Liberal Forum, co-founded by the European Parliament, and have the support of the social liberal movement Think Tank in Portugal and Liberty Foundation in Poland. The views expressed herein are those of the speakers alone, and these views do not necessarily reflect those of the European Parliament and or the European Liberal Forum. Yeah.